Hi there, welcome to Talk Canicross. I'm Janetta George. And I'm Gail Walker. We're here today to talk all things Canicross, the fun way to get fit with your dog. So each month we'll be joined by a special guest or two. We'll hear from professionals, regular Canicrossers, and also dog and human experts in their field. It will be real people and real stories. So we hope you'll join us, whether it's for training tips, dog talk, or just for fun and encouragement. This is Talk Canicross, brought to you by DogFit. And don't forget to hit subscribe and keep in touch with all things Canicross. One of the best things about Canicross is that it's inclusive and accessible to everyone, whether you're canny trekking a couple of miles, social running with friends or competing in races. Whilst many of us are content with just putting on our trail shoes and heading outside for quality time with our dog, there is a whole other world of Canicrossers who love nothing more than competing at the top end of the sport, which can even mean representing their country internationally. So what is it like performing at the top end of the sport? How do you go about becoming eligible to take part? What's involved in training for these big events? And what part does nutrition play? Whether you aspire to run for your country or not, we can all learn from the very best, even if it's how to train better or get motivated to stick to a plan. So today, I'm really pleased to say we're joined by GB Canicrosser, personal trainer and dog fit trainer, Sarah Gillam. Among her many achievements, Sarah has won the British Canicross Championships in 2022. She also has a degree in sports technology and an MBA in sports management. So it's safe to say she knows her onions. So first of all, welcome, Sarah. It's brilliant to see you today. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Gail. Hi, Janetta. Uh, nice to be here with you both today. Yeah, it's so lovely to have you back on the show. Um, we did an earlier podcast, which we will link in our, our notes below, but really good to have you back on and really interested to, to hear what you've got to say. Um, but for the benefit of people that haven't heard that one, could you introduce yourself? Also, tell us about your lovely dogs as well. So I'm Sarah. I guess I'm just a general outdoors lover, also a dog lover. So perfect way to combine it is a bit of canny cross. Uh, I've got three dogs now. So my eldest is Jess. She's a Springador, so Lab Cross Spaniel. She's actually turning 10 this year. So she's kind of in her retirement, bless her. Uh, but she still comes out kind of on nice walks and occasionally on a very slow cool down with me. Then I've got Poppy, who is five, the, turning five this year. She's a Scandinavian hound, quite a small female, but super, super fast. Yeah. Um, amazing drive and just loves to run and like kind of my best partner on technical trails. And then I've got Sonic, who I call Supersonic because he's just an absolute beast, <laughs> complete clown. Um, he's three, but he still acts like he's about 10 months old. And I think he always will. Um, yeah, so he's super strong on the trails, um, but also like the most affectionate, soppy, needy boy at home as well. <laughs> oh, and, and Poppy and Sonic are the ones that you're competing with now. Yeah, so I race mainly canny cross um like the, the standard 5k short course with sonic at the moment yeah and then poppy this season i've, I've actually started my first season competing with her on the bike so oh nice run, but, um, very I'm, brave <laughs> i definitely need in fact i've got my first mountain bike lesson booked for next week yeah. and actually learn some better bike handling skills <laughs> <laughs> oh excellent Wonderful. So quite a gang you've got there, a very fit gang. So, you know, you've mentioned some very interesting breeds there. And obviously, as you race at the top end of the sport, 
Um, you know, what was that part of the reason you chose those particular breeds? And, you know, what, what makes them such great athletes? Yeah, so uh, I guess Poppy and Sonic the Hounds, they are kind of purpose-bred sled dogs. So they are really like born and bred to run and they just absolutely love it. So they're cross with a, a German shorthair pointer, which I guess gives them like the strength and the power. Yeah. Um, Husky, which will give them a bit more endurance and the love to run. And then a little bit of gray, <coughs> greyhound, which is then like the speed. Mm. So they're kind of different percentages and combinations and lines of them. But that's, yeah, I guess what makes them like lean, mean running machines. Yeah. And, and did you did you get them from this country? I mean, obviously, you've bought dogs that are bred to perform really well, canny crossing and running for the endurance sports. Did did you go to Europe to get them or were they bred in the UK? Yeah, so I, I was lucky and I was actually living in Europe and Germany at the time, but Poppy came from Belgium, um, a breeder out there, and then Sonic came from Slovenia. Yeah. So, yeah. Both for the chose. job. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But tell us about your first kind of steps into Canny Cross, if you can cast your mind back. So how did you first come across the sport um, and what made you kind of want to, did you have the, you had Jess at that time? Yeah, exactly. So I think originally I got Jess just because I wanted, well, I really wanted a dog and I wanted a running buddy, but like to free run with me, just yeah. to join me and keep me company whilst I was out running. And it was, I think I was doing a brutal 10 event, which is like an off-road 10K mud run, basically. I was doing that with on my own without a dog. And I saw people at those events running with dogs. I was like, oh my God, this looks amazing. So from then on, I kind of did a bit of research. Canny Cross wasn't that big at that point. So yeah. I just about kind of found a harness and a line and everything online and kind of just well I thought I was I was training for it but I didn't really know that much about how to teach your dog to pull and everything at the time but yeah that's how I started it. and I think that was probably Jess's poor thing I think that was probably her first event dragging me around like a real oh. boggy mud muddy <laughs> river crossings and all sorts yeah. I, I think we've I think we've all done those brutal events yeah. with our dogs where you swim across the lake at one point yeah. don't you I remember doing it with Coco and it was like right up to your chest. It was yeah. deep. So that must have been a few years ago then. Yeah. So probably she's gone up to 10. It was probably about eight years ago now. Yeah. So that was our first kind of event together. Uh, we did, there's another event called Checkenden Ch Challenge. Challenge, yeah. That's probably the first Canny Cross specific event that we did or we knew about. And I think that's one of the longest running ones that's been here in the UK as well. So that was what we did in the UK. And then we actually shortly after that moved to Germany and there was some kind of Canny Cross specific events over there that we got into. And I can, yeah. I can really remember my first one it, yeah completely new experience it was quite a serious event out there and you start in the timed interval so every 30 seconds or every minute yeah and Jess was not happy about waiting for her start time so <laughs> by the time we did go it was like the fastest she's, she'd ever run and um about 200 meters off the start line I absolutely face planted oh god <laughs> just was not used to the power that she had so um yeah we had a, a steep learning curve but it was it was a lot of fun <laughs> yeah and I think when you're in Europe as well there are quite a few events isn't there that you can travel to quite easily so I guess you had a few to choose from to yeah we were lucky where we live we could do quite a lot in Germany we we're also close to the border in Czech Republic and they do a lot of events quite nicely there for 
um, like beginners and intermediates as well. And they also, it's what's quite nice, they do categories by the dog weights. So they have like a small, a medium and a large okay. sort of heavy dog category. So like you get all kind of dogs there, which is super nice. Oh, so it sounds like it's a bit more serious yeah. than when you're in Germany. Lot- yeah, Germany was. They, they have fun events as well. There's a mm. nice company called Strong Dog that do a lot more um like entry level and fun events and some with like natural obstacles and they do their triathlons and ones with like uh, swimming and stuff as well which is fun so how many races would you say you do on average a year sounds like you do a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah it varies so this year this season started quite slowly there wasn't a, usually the season will start sort of september october and finish around now so march april but there wasn't actually so many bef- that we did before Christmas. We were a bit sort of slow getting into it. We only had maybe three races before Christmas. Right. But then this year, probably we've, well, I don't even know how many, but I'd say <laughs> at least every other every other weekend. Blimey. I mean, if you're willing to travel, there's a lot yeah. of companies yeah. now that put them on. And yeah, we just love to do it. So I've been doing quite a few recently, but we're just finishing the season now. So yeah. I mean, we'll come on to ask you about what that whole experience is like and what being on the road and traveling. So because um, I'm sure people will be very interested to hear that. And um, but before we do, I'm I'm quite curious to ask you how you obviously went from trying Canny Cross out and you did a few events like the Brutal. Right? Mm-hmm. That's one of the few, first events I actually did many years ago. And <laughs> it's a great way to get in, you know, to, to sort of first learn about the sport. But it's a bit like gritty. Like you said, you get yeah. a bit muddy and you sort of um, but it's good fun. But yeah, how how what made you suddenly go from that to thinking I really like to compete for my country, and then and also how do you actually get selected? Mm-hmm. You know, what, how do you get from that in your mind thinking I really want to? I, th- I think I'm quite you know good enough to compete at that level, and and then going from that to actually getting selected. Yeah, yeah. So I guess my journey to that kind of level was actually like I'd say quite slow, and I'm actually quite grateful that it was because I had. I think I had probably about four years where I was, you know, I, I say racing. I wasn't really racing. I was just having a lot of fun, at a lot of different types of events with Jess. And I kind of really appreciate that I've always got that. And you kind of had that that love for the events, the community, seeing people, but the gradual improvement as well. So I, th- I think uh, 2018 was our first international event where we went to Poland and represented like Team GB. And yeah, so kind of getting the the spot or selected for that was difficult in my situation because I was out in Germany. So I'm not yeah. the best person to sort of ask or explain, but basically if you want to try and represent GB, you need to go to the BSSF like race series. So yeah. on a normal uh, year or season, they'll host three events, uh, one in England, one in Wales and one in Scotland. And then it's kind of a combination of the results of those that then give you your ranking for the season. So based on that ranking or kind of like, you know, up your chances of if you can get selected. Now for the international events, there are two main federations uh, that run the events and there's the IFFS. IFSS always get it muddled up which is a bit more serious I'd say and you probably need to have a top three ranking in your category so whether it's canny cross or biking or scooter uh, to be able to get a spot 
Um, Then the ICF is, I'd say, much more kind of mass participation, like really friendly, like nice atmosphere event. And they're like trying to give, you know, as many spots as they can to each country. There's still a limit, but, you know, it's much more a higher chance that you can Mm -hmm. compete for them. So there's like a whole selection criteria. But basically, you you wouldn't have to necessarily rank to um, a top three spot to go to one of those and represent Team GB. So just, yeah, get yourself along to the BSSF races. Yeah. And yeah, that that's like a, a first step towards being able to do it, I'd say. And so do those those events that happen in kind of England, Scotland and Wales, are they kind of early in the season then and you qualify first or is it the season before? Uh, it's theoretically the season before, yeah. I think. Yeah, so it's based on kind of the previous season's results. And those three races are usually spread throughout the season. So any time yeah. probably from around October to March, they try and spread them out. So for, any, for anyone listening that is enjoying Canny Cross and actually wants to go to the next level, they need to, to check out on the BSSF and find out when those next. Exactly. So I don't, I don't think the dates have been released yet, but you've kind of got the summer to train and get fit and then the yeah, season yeah. start again. And, and, and you don't necessarily have to enter all three, do you? It's, but you've got a better chance of qualifying exactly. if you do, because it's based on your overall ranking. Yeah, so... You can yeah. just be good and win your one one or two of them and still get selected. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do you have to kind of get reselected every year then? Once yes. Yeah. So it's not yeah. like you're not just once you've qualified, they then invite you again. You need to go No, back. there's only a few instances where if I think you if you podium at the national international races, then you get an automatic That's selection it. for the following year. But otherwise you have to sort of re-qualify each year. So yeah. you've got to stay fit and healthy somehow as well. <laughs> and that's amazing, isn't it? Wearing the like GB kit and being out there part of the team. And I know I've been out sport at one of the events and it's has a great atmosphere. Every all the different countries out there with their dogs and yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's lovely. It's because it, it, Canny Cross is it's a team sport in the respect that it's you and your dog, but yeah. often you know it's an individual sport. So being out and actually representing like. G- team GB is really different and they often as well as the individual events have relays so you get to run with other people and you know it's, it's really nice oh, wow. element yeah. yeah so actually while we're on that subject you know what what is it can you give us like a typical um example you know of what it's like keeping? you know is it over a couple of days and how how do you where do you stay when you're over there and what's it like with all the other competitors you said yeah. there's quite a lot of camaraderie and everything and it's good atmosphere so yeah what, what's it what's it like if you're in like the hub of it and you've gone to compete at that level because obviously you're seeing everyone else from different countries as well yeah yeah. <clears throat> yeah so I guess um yeah you're there as team GB and you so, so like you'll drive you'll usually drive there with the dog so that could be like at least a day or two driving across France yeah. and Germany and wherever you're going and trying to break it up and keeping the dogs hydrated and everything so that's the first kind of challenge and then when you get there uh, most people will stay on the the race site so it's called the stakeout and yeah. each country has like their own little allocated area so it's almost uh-huh. like a a campsite but not as glorified as that <laughs> no electricity and no not <laughs> um, but no so you sort of pitch up your van your tent and you kind of like make a little camp uh, with all the other like gb team members which is really nice yeah. 
Um, so you'd usually try and arrive like at least a, a day or two before you're actually racing so you can get settled and then you usually have the chance to walk or like jog the trail beforehand without the dog so you can see what the trail's like and then the actual racing is always over two consecutive days yeah. um, which all of the even the national events are like that as well and I think that's one of the the hard things that I guess a lot of people outside the sport don't recognize that you don't just go and do it like a hundred percent all out once you've then got to wake up the next day and do it again yeah, yeah, <laughs> tired yeah. legs yeah um, and do they do they take the best like the join the two results together then and then that's yeah how so it's the times added together so both runs are really important both the times added yeah, together yeah. results yeah and, and are you running the same track as well so the dogs you know the turns and you know normally normally run the same track yeah sometimes like if the weather's warm then the track can change and they shorten mm -hmm. it so we have had that quite a few times recently actually because unfortunately the weather does seem to be getting a bit warmer yeah um, but yeah otherwise they keep the track the same yeah brilliant so so before you obviously turn up at the event you're doing all the training at home with the dogs what what does a typical so when you're right in the heart of the season say at the, at the beginning of the year what what does a typical training week look like for you and your dogs without revealing um, your top secrets obviously yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, not so much top is top secret anymore um <laughs> it wouldn't just wouldn't be so dissimilar from like a, a regular runner who's training for let's say a 5k or a 10k yeah. um so i will have at least one total rest day maybe sometimes two um i'll have um like a sunday long run i'll try and do a couple of sessions so maybe a, a faster interval session or a tempo session or fart look that will vary week to week and then depending on the weather i try and do at least one like canny cross session as well yeah and the thing with that is it like puts a lot of strain on your body so then after the canny cross session you'll probably need a recovery run yeah uh, the following day or a rest day so i'd actually say like that the, with the routine now it's a lot of just like listening to your body and making sure um yeah. that you're recovering as well as your training as well yeah so so you might only canny cross once in the week with the dogs yeah, I think I, I used to canny cross twice a week with Poppy, yeah. who's only like 19 kilos. I can do that and I can get away with it. But once you yeah. start training with a stronger dog, Sonic's like 28 kilos. Wow. I, I try and do just once a week with him because it's just faster. The more I resist him, the the worse it makes your muscles. So yeah, 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 got to go for it. I mean, do you free yeah. run with him, though, as well? Um <laughs> their their recall is is questionable should we say? <laughs> <laughs> so I, don't, I don't free run with him loads right. mm. uh, but I train him a lot on the bike I see yeah, he yeah. absolutely loves the speed on the bike so yeah he's been trained a lot on wheels I actually did more sort of training on foot with Poppy mm. yeah oh that, yeah so I guess it is a case of the dogs being fit as well I mean obviously yeah. they're exercising but I guess with him being such a big dog and you not being a especially huge person that um yeah. that is a big pulling power isn't it yeah so, that's where it's quite difficult with like the dog's fitness as well with the season starting in September October what I really found this year is 
um sonic's like peaked like like a month ago he was super fit right at the end of the season yeah um, because it was too warm to train that much and we've got into a nice routine and trained him a lot and he's you know yeah he's really peaked unfortunately like right at the end of the season <laughs> typical isn't it Come on. yeah so you you're so an average week you'll be running then four five times a week from what you're saying yeah it varies a lot on a really good yeah. week I'll run five maybe six times yeah. on a not so good week like this week for example I've run three with tomorrow I'll run four times a week so it mm. does vary and I listen to my yeah. body a lot yeah. based on kind of how I feel yeah and what sort of other training do you do to complement your running especially as a personal trainer you know you've yeah got so I used to, I used to be very disciplined with my strength training and definitely if you're getting into canny cross, you need to make sure you've got like a super strong core. So it's not just your like tummy muscles, but it's your back as well. So you've got the strength when they're pulling like against you in the harness. So yeah, strength sessions I would do um, twice a week. Now what I'm doing now is um, I'm, actually, I'm actually doing more classes at a gym. So I'm doing like high intensity uh, classes at a gym, which is kind of replacing my strength sessions because yeah. I just find it more fun yeah. and like get motivated doing it with other people. And the other thing I'm really enjoying is kind of a mixture of yoga and Pilates. As I'm getting older, I'm definitely needing to do that at least once a week. And like, it's just such a nice recovery and downtime and like all the positions they get in, I'm like absolutely nowhere near, but it just shows that my body needs it. <laughs> yeah. It's that stretching is almost as important, isn't it? And yeah, Pilates is very good for your core as well, isn't it? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. But what about your sort of the nutrition side? Because obviously that's key. You're you're doing all those short, fast bursts. How do you approach your nutrition? Yeah, so you're asking me this a week after Easter, and there's a lot of <laughs> You never drink any alcohol. Yeah, I think the most important the most important thing is um I'd say like understanding your macros, so like carbs, um, fat and protein, and that you're getting roughly the right amount of those. So it's like you, you can still eat, you know, the bad stuff, which is enjoyable. But as long as you're getting enough protein to recover or also really importantly, enough carbs before you're running. Uh, yeah. So that's something that I tried to keep an eye on. Um, I guess when I was a couple of years ago, when I was a little bit leaner, should we say, and lighter and faster, I was I wasn't watching what I was eating, but I was very aware of everything I was eating. Um, and yeah, just being more careful with the protein afterwards um to make sure that I was recovering well and just actually looking at my overall calorie intake whereas now yeah. a little bit heavier but I'm probably like recovering from my runs better um could probably go for a bit longer without getting injured and yeah I do a lot kind of based on on feelings as well and just making sure I'm getting a right balance of everything kind of not too much of one certain food type yeah and when it comes to your actual dogs as well I obviously you need to factor in their nutrition too so what, what what sort of things do you have to consider and how does that change when during race you know time as well you know on yeah. race weekends so with the dogs and like honestly I'm still learning now mm -hmm. um, about all of my dogs and what's best for them and when it's best for them and that's the first thing I'd say that like every dog is so different um 
so I mean generally speaking during race season and they're training a lot and they're racing you need to up the amount they're feeding like that's pretty simple um then likewise for the off season like give them a little bit less Uh, but then when it comes to like race day and hydration and everything um a lot of what I've learned is through like experimenting like whilst we're training and like literally taking um, a journal or a diary of how long before you give them a drink or food or what they've had the day before and just seeing what's best for each dog. So, for example, I know that Poppy can like run on an empty stomach. So if we've got an early race, um, I don't I don't need to feed her and I know she'll be okay. Whereas Sonic, um, uh, he performs much better if he's eaten before. So that means if we're racing at nine, I'll be up at six to feed him a really early breakfast. And then even then I'll feed him a much smaller kind of amount. Yeah. Um, but it's just little things like that. that you, I'm still learning all the time and kind of try trialing different hydration drinks before and after. And I would say as well, like the day before the race, I think is important for hydration as well. Like just like it is yeah. for humans, yeah. really. So make sure they're well hydrated the day before. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's sometimes and I've heard from other competitors as well it's sometimes a challenge to get them to drink I know that yeah. they sometimes mix you know water with the food to get them just to get a little bit more kind of water in them before they're racing um we, we touched a bit earlier on what what it's like to go out to these um the competitions and the atmosphere and everything else and, and obviously I guess you take your holiday at that time because you're out it sounds like you're out there for about a week yeah a couple of days before and then you're a couple of days for the event and you've got to drive out there one one thing that interests me is is, and you've got a number of dogs do you when you enter do you enter with a specific dog um or can you just decide which dog you're going to run with when you get there uh good question Uh, occasion i think for the international events you you don't have to give the dogs details until you get there and there's like a cutoff. So I yeah. could like go and travel with two and then kind of decide when I'm there. But then when you're there, you have to do like a vet check. So they'll yeah. check over the dog and everything. So you do then have to decide, like you can't decide on the start line. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think you can often do it there. Some events, like even some kind of, you know, fun events, you'll have to enter all the details of the dog and their chip number and everything beforehand. So you are kind of committed to which dog you run with. Yeah, because I guess it's it's that whole thing. You might get to the course and decide that Sonic is yeah, yeah a better contender. You can't do a last minute swap. It look very different as well. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's where like some people do have an advantage if they've got a you know a big uh, pack of dogs at home and they can take their selection based on the course. Because yeah, for me there are some that. I mean, for example, I, I've entered TDM, which is the big uh, mountain yes, like, stage yeah. race in the summer. Uh, you can actually use two dogs like on different really? days. You could switch oh, between yeah. them, and and that one I will run majority with Poppy because it's such technical trails. I don't want a really strong dog pulling me oh, down. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a really nice event, isn't it? It goes on how many days does it go over? Yeah, it's it's, it's around seven or eight days, and you mm-hmm. do ten runs in total, uh, which sounds a lot, but they're all quite short distances, but very hilly. But it's just absolutely yeah. stunning scenery. Yeah, so, yeah, I've, I've only... hill as well on some of them. <laughs> some, yeah, yeah, crazy yeah. mass start some of them, where you start in pairs, but it's a lot of fun, and yeah, it's, it's seeing sort of your international friends, and yeah, I'm I'm very much looking forward to that one again. 
Yeah, because I guess it, you know, at that, that level as well, you're you're seeing the same people on a lot of occasions from other countries, aren't you? That um that you're yeah. meeting those events. But is yes. it competitive though? Is it, you know, you're all very chatty and then you're on the start line and yeah. that's, everyone's racing for all they're worth. Yeah, I mean, that's where TDM is nice. It's a more relaxed stage race. And some people do, it's your summer holiday. So a lot of people will go there not to, you know, try and get on the podium. It's to actually physically finish each stage and then you know you're having dinner and drinks with people in the evening on in the campsite as well so it's a very like sociable event that as well yeah nice. obviously mentioned right at the start that you'd won the british canicross championships last year so tell us a bit about that what was that like i mean i what were you running was that a 5k was that a couple of races again over a yeah so so i've i've won it uh, last year and actually also this year so i've Oh, I've had the title for two that. years now, which <laughs> I'm super chuffed about. Um, the first year of oh, casting my mind back was, I think, a year ago in March, so last March, and the race was up in in Scotland in four. That was the end of of COVID. So actually, because of that, I think there was only the one of one race, and the other two had yeah. to be cancelled. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was all down to that one event um the trail that year was actually shorter I think it was around 3k yeah. a really like fun twisty um trail up in the forest up there so yeah really beautiful um we had quite mixed weather actually one I think well the first day we started quite late canny cross so it was really warm so like keeping sonic hydrated was my biggest like concern yeah. but then the next morning they put the runners out first and it was the complete opposite it was freezing and misty and like loads of juice so you're sort of slipping around all the corners uh but yeah so that was uh, I guess yeah one of like the most special moments for me in like with Kenny winning that like it meant so much especially after kind of a lot of injury yeah and then this year yeah we had a bit of a difficult year this year as well with the races being cancelled mostly because of mental crazy weather going from you know monsoon rain to then frozen ground and one weekend the course had basically turned to an ice rink so we were back down to one race again this year for the BSSF um and that was in Thetford that was an England one um first time I run there like beautiful forest uh but very fast trails so actually on those kind of uh routes I'd say you're quite suited if you've got a big strong dog you don't need so twisty and I had a really uh, good battle with um, Louise Mitchell. So she was actually sat ahead on the first day. Yeah. I uh, decided to, t- I was moaning a little bit about the course being really easy and a bit boring. <sighs> and then basically I face planted in the middle of the course on a complete oh, no. flat bit. <laughs> I was like eating my own words of it. Yeah. So yeah, that fall on the first day cost me um Oh. to sit in second spot we were three seconds behind so uh we had to run our little hearts out on the second day and managed just to do enough to take the title so it was, oh, wow. it was a great race really really tight wow I think, um, I think next season's gonna be very tough yeah it sounds gonna be very competitive so just what is your 5k time then with sonic <laughs> oh uh i think our pb's uh around 
Oh my god! <laughs> I have I have I've run that once and never again. It, it, oh it, my god! Did your feet touch very... the ground? I'm just curious how that's even possible. To... Not a lot. No, I was on a very <laughs> fast route when I was still living out in Germany, so it was like wow. flat, fast forest trails. Wow, that's that's absolutely amazing. I mean, not everyone listening obviously wants to race for GB, but hopefully there are people listening that will feel inspired and and everyone needs to start that journey. Um, But what advice would you give to someone to ensure that they sort of maintain a healthy, positive approach to their training with their dog? What advice would you give? So, like, I think the first thing is, kind of having that plan and knowing what your goals are and then trying to follow even if it's like a rough like weekly training plan um and it's important to enjoy it it shouldn't be like you're trying to slog each run and tick it off like for me the most important thing is that you go out and you have fun and that like I've really found that when you have fun you you progress more than if you're not enjoying it of course there'll always be like certain sessions that you don't like I mean I hate hill sessions or some people hate the long slow runs or um but yeah so having that structure is good so if you if you if you want to get to the you know a, a better level and you want a coach you can um get a coach or you can buy training plans and then I like training with other people as well I think that can really yeah. help your motivation especially for like an easy longer run or if you've got if you're lucky enough to have like canny crosses near you I think that's also really nice for you yeah. and the dogs to like go on a canny cross run together and then I'll say the other thing is try and just be like flexible and adaptable and don't be scared to like miss training or miss a session and listen to your body and just make sure you recover as much as you train as well um so yeah I guess with that like if people want a training plan like we offer it obviously through Dogfit. um there's a couple of options you can do a run faster if you're trying to up your speed over sort of 5k yeah um, or a run longer so perhaps you're looking to do your first 10k or your first half marathon <laughs> which dog is that in the background Jess, it's always Jess. Yes. They're all starting to play behind me. <laughs> it's okay. This is a dog podcast. It's <laughs> it's away, it? Yeah, that's that's some really good advice. I think that whole resting and not and it being fun as well, because the whole sport is and you know, and with dog fit as well, we're very much about people going out and having fun with yeah. their dog. You know, obviously you've got that added kudos of you know representing gb and obviously going to the competitions and and that is achievable you know for people that want to kind of go on further in the sport but yeah at the the heart of it when you're training with other people and the dogs are running together there's nothing quite like that really great fun i mean i think that's probably the one of the biggest motivators isn't it if you if you just do it to have fun the rest sort of fall you know follows and having us and for some people if they want that structured plan you know that's an option I think that helps. I I work well to things like that. If I know that so, I do so many runs a week or whatever, it just keeps me, you know, going. So I think there's quite a lot of ways to do it. But like you said, you know, you don't whether you're just going out running socially with friends or you're wanting to qualify for GB, you know, there's lots you can still a, a, approach it that way with that sort of mentality of enjoying it. Um, I mean, on the on the subject, what I said about the the mental health side of it as well, because we've talked a lot about general fitness and following plans but 
Um, we often we talk to a lot of people on a podcast about the benefits that you know um, for their mental health of doing candy cross. So, what about for you personally? Would you say that's a big factor in in why you do candy cross? Yeah, I think I think for me it's. I mean, even running without the canny cross is is one of the only things for me where you can just it's super accessible. You can go out and whatever crap, dare I say, is going on, you know, at work or at home and you just you're on the trails and you just forget about it. Like it's it's cliche, but it's really true. And you're thinking about like something else. And then I'd say the added element with canny cross is you're then going with your dog. So you've got someone else to worry about and it just really takes a distraction from your brain off yourself and whatever you, you might be worrying about to just having fun on the trails and seeing like the happiness from your dog is like just amazing you can't really describe it and then to run with them I mean obviously there's so much like actual scientific research about all the endorphins that you get just from stroking a dog yeah. and like imagine yeah running with them and flowing over the trails it's yeah it's it's so nice so for me it's yeah I guess it's that's why like for me the the training is so important as well like I know a lot of people that will only train their dogs on bike and they they can't do that much canny cross but for me the training is almost just as important as the racing and it's you know it's part of my kind of weekly routine and I just yeah I can't really imagine not doing that to be honest and yeah uh, yeah, people keep asking when I'm going to sign up to some more dogless races and I'm very good at booking up my weekend with canny cross races because I just prefer <laughs> it. I just love it. <laughs> oh, there's, there's nothing quite like it when you're out on the trails and your dog looks at you and you just, no. you just know the dogs are having a great time, don't you? So yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is really good. Um, but with your your PT hat on, and if someone's listening to this and they they're thinking about just reaching their first five k together, canny cross mm-hmm. with their dog, um. What what would you recommend to them, you know, about helping them stick to that plan? You know, say they were on an eight week 5K plan. What's your yeah. advice on helping them stick to that? So I'd probably say like break it down into smaller chunks and kind of short term goals as well. If you're following, let's say, an eight or even a 12 week plan, it can seem quite daunting and like you've got like a lot to do. And if you look at the end goal, it seems like a lot. Um, so I'd probably try and have like, you know, a monthly goal that you're you're trying to achieve so you can kind of tick stuff off along the way. Um, and then the other thing I already mentioned, I'd say train with friends. Yeah. Like if you're really lacking motivation to get out and do some runs, like go with someone. And actually, like I've I do it a few times, like if you commit to meeting someone at a certain time, it's much harder to say no than <laughs> yeah. when you, you've only kind of got yourself to let down rather than someone else as well. True. And then the other thing I would say, I know not everyone likes doing it, but I actually use some events as training runs. Like not yeah. every event, like you don't have to go in every event to try and do, you know, like the best. Like you can go in some of them to use it as training. Like I've actually done that today. I did a longer trail race with my dog and I know that we're not like super strong over longer distances. Um, but I enjoy, um, you know, running with other people and the atmosphere of the event gets, you know, my adrenaline going, the dog excited. I think it's just a really fun way to do some longer training together. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's really good. And having that event as a bit of a goal as well, even if it's, yeah. 
you know, six months away um, kind of helps keep your focus as well, doesn't it? Yeah. And not putting pressure on yourself, like you said, just to sort of enjoy it. And just yeah, and getting out is the main thing. Yeah. Yeah. Never lose the fun element. And that like for me, I guess, is why I'm so grateful that I had four years of like total fun with Jess before, you know, I was ever any good. So if anyone's out there thinking like I'm never gonna run that fast, like honestly, it's taken me like eight years. <laughs> Enjoy the journey. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's making sure that you're you are taking your time to get there as well. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> But um, oh, it's been it's been fascinating to chat to you, and I don't know about you, Janetta, but I feel like I could just keep asking questions. But we, <laughs> we might have to have you back for a part two because it's it's very interesting to hear what's involved at the top end of the sport, even if you're not at that level yourself. Just to hear it from from you and and get a, a sort of like a, a glimpse of what what's involved. And it sounds like you really love it still. That's the yeah. most important thing to take away from this is get out, enjoy yourself and, and you know, and just, and if you want to compete, great. There are, there are opportunities for you. And if you don't want to, you can go out and run with yeah. your friends and do it socially. At, exactly. And that's one of our, our ethos at Dogfit actually is about accessibility and inclusivity. You know, whether you just want to canny trek with some friends or just do a couch 5k or compete at the you know higher level you know there's there's something for everyone so anyway before we finish wrap, wrap, before we wrap up but we always ask the same question of all our guests and um so i just like to ask you so what advice would you give to anyone listening and who's hasn't started canny cross yet so they're just sort of finding a bit about it they might know a bit about the kit that they need but they're thinking about giving it a go you know, what would you say to them if they're sort of like slightly hesitating um oh, good question so I think it's yeah just just be confident give it a go um but also go in like really open-minded um it's quite an accessible sport so once you've got the kit you know it'll last you and you can just like walk out the door and go running um but yeah be open-minded and just remember that you'll have good days and you'll have bad days especially in canny cross you've got like not only yourself but also the dog so just like you don't want to go out the door one day or you're not feeling quite right sometimes the dog's like that so I'd say take the good with the bad and for me the bad actually makes me appreciate the good runs even more now so yeah be be open-minded just enjoy it um and go if you can go with others because it's fun for you and the dogs love it as well no absolutely that's some that's some great advice and it's been lovely to chat with you and you too Keen to follow your progress again for next season as well. It's been brilliant. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank Thank you you both. Speak to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Talk Canny Cross. We really hope that you've enjoyed it. But don't forget to hit subscribe so we can keep you up to date and let you know when the next episode comes out. Happy Canny Crossing. (laughs) 